Tom and Mike. Young Thomas. Is that my new jingle? That is your new jingle. I like it. Oh, my little partner with his little bleach blonde hair. Hi, Michael. <laughs> it's not bleached, it's streaked. Streaked, okay. okay. For a non-hair person like me, I wouldn't know that. Well, anyway, this is going to blow your mind. There's a lecturer in Oxford, he's a professor over there. He's come out with a book. It's called Alien Visitations and the End of Humanity. Real page turner, doesn't it sound like one? From the great publisher, National Enquirer. In this book, he claims that aliens are already interbreeding with humans to create a new hybrid species that will save our planet. Is that how the new Green Deal got to be? (laughs) OAC, is she an alien? Listen to this logic of this guy. He says there's four types of aliens here. They're small, they're tall and bold, they're scaly with snake eyes. I guess he's talking about personal injury attorneys and insect-like. And he says the insect-like aliens give orders to the lower ranks and exist in a comprehensive system that humans can't experience because our organs limit our perception. He claims there's a correlation between alien abductions and climate change. I don't understand this. He says reversing climate change would not only save the planet, but would prove to the aliens that their low estimation of humans' moral capacity was wrong. So somehow he feels like these people were brought here to help us with climate change. Are you buying any of this? No. (laughs) But give me a little bit of that description again. What do you mean? The first part of that description of what these people might look like. Oh, they're small, they're tall and bold, they're scaly with snake eyes, and they're insect-like. I think you just described Rick Ocasek from the cars. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely insect-like. Do you think this could explain Mama June? Mama June? Yeah. <laughs> no, she's not quite thin enough yet. Oh. Although she is losing weight, right? Yeah. Well, she just got in trouble, too. Hey, now wouldn't it be a lot easier if these aliens had, like, bald heads and cone heads, right? A reprise role for Jane Curtin and Dan Aykroyd. It would make it so much easier for us. <laughs> you know what? We can't make fun of this guy because we don't know. It's the amazing planet- to me how you're more willing to believe in UFOs and aliens than you are in God Almighty. Oh, it's funny you bring that up. I don't want to do a segue, but we've got another story today coming that you're going to enjoy. Okay. Are you ready for it, my friend? No. <laughs> Tom and Mike. John Hopkins did a research and they found that encounters with God, even if they're drug-fueled, prove to provide lasting mental benefits. Spiritual people routinely report a higher rate of overall life satisfaction. And people who have had contact with Jesus are less afraid of death and improve their overall moods and outlooks. And participants got these benefits whether or not drugs were involved or not. Now, when they talk about drugs, they're talking about, you know, people doing mushrooms or acid and saying that he got in touch with God. But what they did is they studied 4,300 people from around the world who said they had an encounter or experience, and some of them having used psychedelic drugs. The study concluded that they look at personal experiences and say nothing about the existence or non-existence of God, and we doubt any science can definitely settle that point. What they wanted to say was the people that did say they talked to God or had an experience with them, their lives were better. I bet you're going to go along with that, aren't you? Whatever it takes, 220, 221. If you're (laughs) believing and you have a little mustard seed, that's all you need. Right. And by the way, where's your mustard seed? Is it in the pantry with all the other provisions? Right. (laughs) Tom and Mike. Now, this is something I bet you could figure out. They found out that rich men are more likely to get through life by pretending they know more than they actually do. 
Boy, you know who I'm thinking. Of. Yes, you do. I'm yeah, but I don't do. think he's so rich after all. Men are more likely than women to fake expertise they don't have. And rich men are the worst culprits. We know what that's called. It's called the art of BS. Right. Someone is more likely to display overconfidence in the academic process and problem-solving skills. Now, in this study, this is interesting, they asked participants to give an assessment of how well they knew 16 different topics on a scale of one to five. Four of the topics were completely made up and these people still tried to give an answer to it. So I guess be wary of braggarts. They're the least likely to live up to the reputation they've built for themselves. Yeah, I think we've experienced that as a nation firsthand, have we not? Right. And listen to this. Research has also found that living in the richest households were more likely to overestimate their expertise and people living in the poorest homes were least likely to indulge in BS. That makes sense, doesn't it, in a way? Let's put a poor man in the White House. That's what I say. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or at least somebody who came from something other than a silver spoon, right? It's amazing they took a study to figure this out. I mean, bottom line, you can't trust anyone here in the land of fake it till you make it, right? True, very true. And how about a man asking for directions? That never happens, do they? Every man is a little bit uh, overconfident. In that it doesn't regard. happen anymore because every man's got a device. A GPS, baby. Before the GPS came, when you and Karen were out trying to get somewhere, would you be stubborn and keep saying, I'll find it? Or did you like immediately go to the nearest gas station? I was always the first person to pull over to a gas station. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) There's no pride in not knowing. You don't know what you don't know. Right. And why waste the gas? I don't know a lot. (laughs) Here's how you get rich in life. You build two factories, one that manufactures BS and the other one that buys it. That's how you get rich in this world. (laughs) Right? Yes. Boy, that tell you, there are a lot of BSers out there, and uh, a lot of them get through life pretty easy, don't they? That's what you always told me right before I hired you. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Jokes aren't BS, are they? A lot of your jokes are. Oh. Oh, you're killing me. Yeah, you're mean to me today. I'm not mean. I'm in a good mood. Are you really? Yeah, I you am. Seem, you seem a little subdued today. I'm not subdued. Are you? I'm totally fine. You're, you don't have a little flask by your pocket, I'm waiting you? for you to be funny. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> if they don't think it's funny today, they could always go to our podcast, What's This World Coming To.com, where there is different days where we are funny, right? Occasionally. Tom and Mike. You talk about millennials not doing much. Well, here's a millennial living in Long Island who's running, he has run a prostitution ring out of his parents' basements for four years. What a businessman. <laughs> he used social media to recruit these women. And then he got hooked on heroin and forced them to have sex with men. And this was that typical Long Island home outside the house, typical Long Island home, half dozen American flags, spacious, meticulously manicured yard, birdhouses and wagon wheels. Something you'd go by and say, what goes on down there? Nothing, right? So where were the parents? Out maintaining the lawn? <laughs> And how overpriced is the housing market if you could run a prostitution ring for four years and still not make enough to move out? Exactly. You think the parents would say something at the dinner table like, hey, honey, what's that funny smell coming from the basement? (laughs) (laughs) And I always knew people who had all that stuff in their front yard, a little weird wagon wheels and birdhouses. Yeah, there's something (laughs) going on at that house. And mom said, he's such a good boy. He was always down in the basement playing with his friends. (laughs) At 40. All I had in my basement was a train set. What did you have in your basement as a kid? Hookers. (laughs) (laughs) Tom and Mike. Picture yourself. You're in love. You live in New York City. You got a fiance that lives in Pittsburgh, but you want to surprise her. So what do you do? You take a train down to Philly 
Then you take a cab. A cab? A cab. To, to Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh? What do you think the what do you think the cost of 300 miles? What do you think it costs? I'm thinking maybe 600 bucks. Wrong. $759. I was close. But when they got there, he told the cab driver he couldn't pay. Oh no. And he was arrested. Was the fiance surprised? Or was she with another man? <laughs> Well, he got there. He got there. I Unfortunately, he's a, a one-way ticket, right? <laughs> Tom and Mike. A woman was traveling from Bogota, Colombia to Barcelona, Spain. And after failing to answer some questions, she was taken into a security room where female custom agents noticed bloody bandages under her breast. Bloody uh, bandages? Yep. Upon closer inspection, it turns out the woman was caught smuggling almost three pounds of cocaine in her breast implants. Talk about your fun bags, huh? Fun bags? Fun. That's what they call breasts sometimes, Thomas. You got to get out more often. They call them fun bags. I never heard that. Is that a term from when you were coming up uh, yeah. back in the 1930s? <laughs> yeah. They fun bags, them, really? A, a well-endowed woman, they, they call oh, them fun boy. bags. It was a dead giveaway when you saw a bunch of men in line to get breastfed by a 40-year-old woman. <laughs> Obviously wanted to drink some Coke. Did you get that? Yes, I did. <laughs> do you smoke it or do you snort it nowadays? I don't know. I'm not hip to the drug generation. Well, I guess you can do it either way, right? Either way is good with you. You, <laughs> <laughs> you. <She was> like, <laughs> I would imagine since there was cocaine in her breast, she was probably a C cup. <laughs> but an A cup when they got to the evidence locker room. Correct. Tom and Mike. 